shoot them dead. It's as if we are transported back to 2016 when President Rodrigo Duterte threatened to kill all drug addicts. This time, he threatens people who will violate guidelines of the lockdown to contain the spread of the coronavirus, meaning those who go out without an essential task. Pagkaginulo at nagkaroon ng okasyon na lumaban at ang buhay ninyo ay nalagay sa alanganin, shoot them dead. It's an eerie familiar word, nanlaban, those who resist or fight back. A day later, on April 3, Duterte makes some sort of a clarification. I never said in public, shoot to kill, period. But still, he threatens the same thing. Bubunot ka ng baril o hampasin mo ang polis ng bato na pag tinamaon sa ulit patayin, sabi mo, barilin mo, patayin mo. Iyan ang batas. Hello, I am Lian Buan and I cover the Justice Beat, a landscape that has taken wild twists and turns under the Duterte administration. In this podcast, we will discuss controversial policies of the executive, gaps in the law, and court decisions that shake long-standing principles in the legal profession. We are on episode 2, and we are still on lockdown. This is the rule of law in the time of the coronavirus. Right after President Duterte said shoot them dead late night April 1, comparisons to the war on drugs are made. In 2016, when he said he would kill drug addicts, drug addicts ended up dead. Except, this is a health emergency. The people he's threatening are the most vulnerable. Vulnerable to infection, to hunger, to human rights abuses. In an unannounced address to the nation on April 3, just before the clock strikes 12, Duterte attempts to walk back on his statement. He repeats this keyword, overcome. Ang batas nagsabi na pag mo, you have to overcome ang resistance. This is found in the Philippine National Police Operational Procedure or Manual. Section 7.5 says, if the offender is armed, then reasonable force may be applied but only to overcome the resistance. Section 8.1 authorizes the policeman to use a firearm for self-defense. The manual says the use of a firearm is justified only if the threat to the police is actual, imminent, and real. In the thousands of deaths in the brutal campaign against drugs, 5,000 are killed by policemen because they allegedly fought back. Were the threats to the police actual, imminent, or real? We don't know. There are not enough investigations. There's not even enough public documentation. To the cop on the ground, without a manual in his hand, the president's words ring in his ears. Shoot them dead. We already saw, we already have a track record of the police taking the president's words literally. When he first said that the policeman can kill, the policeman actually killed drug suspects. That was the voice of my colleague Rambo Talabong. He covers the war on drugs in the Philippine National Police. Duterte supporters defend the shoot-them-dead order. They say the president's threats are targeted only at the left. I am addressing the left na yung pangbabastos and yung slamming about uh, the distribution. Remember kayong mga left, 
You are not the government. Kaya wag kayong maggawa ng kalukuhan at magmagrayot-rayot yan because I will order you detained at bibitawan ko kayo pagkatapos na wala na itong COVID. They say, the coronavirus does not choose who it infects. Same question for the police. Will they choose who is leftist and who is not? Have they learned their lesson in the drug war? The thing about the police is that it is an organization of so many cops. So that question can actually be asked depending on the cop you are speaking to. There are cops who are more cautious, cops who are more knowledgeable about the law. But with the president's words, it sets a basis for cops who are less understanding. It sets a precedent again for cops to actually start arresting, to actually start shooting people who they deem to fight back. Let's walk a few days back and see what triggered the president's shoot-them-dead order. A reporter from ABS-CBN News catches a dramatic scene in Sitio San Roque in Quezon City. Alas 10 ng umaga nang magsilabasan sa service road ng EDSA ang mga residente ng Sitio San Roque. Panawagan nila pagkain para sa kumakalam na sikmura. Wala naman po sa kami ginagawa sir eh. Totoo sir, gutom na gutom po kami dito lahat. Residents of Sitio San Roque stage a protest because of hunger. They are not new to organizing. Year after year, they assert the right to live on a piece of land owned by a corporation. That day, they break quarantine to take to the streets and demand food aid that has been promised by the government. Many of the people there claim they did not come to protest, but to get food aid they were told was coming. There was no food aid. 21 are arrested in a violent dispersal. On Friday, April 3, they are indicted for multiple charges. I look at their indictment and see five violations. One, having no permit to assemble or violation of the Public Assembly Act. Two, resistance or disobedience to authority or Article 151 of the Revised Penal Code. The three remaining charges are specific to containing the coronavirus. Violation of Republic Act 11332 or the mandatory reporting of notifiable diseases which punishes the non-cooperation of virtually any one of us in this country as the government battles this public health emergency. And the last two are double violations of the Bayanihan to Heal as One Act, or the President's special powers, for spreading false information and for impeding access to roads. For all of these violations, each of the 21 must pay bail worth 15,000 pesos each, at a time when they can't work, at a time when they can't eat. President Duterte will tell you this is just right. Whatever it takes to contain the spread of the virus. This is a strict health policy. This is a strict law and order policy. But where is justice? Is there a balancing act to protecting human rights and strictly enforcing quarantine? Is that a question we can answer? Is that a question we can even ask? When you're talking about the about balance, we're presuming that things are equal, right? That everything is the same, of the same weight, of the same level. That was human rights lawyer and former Supreme Court spokesperson, Ted De. When you insert the police into that equation, then you're asking the police to determine that, for example, 
Flattening the curve is more important than food. Flattening the curve is more important than a person who's trying to earn a daily wage so that he can provide food for his family who has to stay quarantined. For the first time, the president cracks the whip of his special powers under the Bayanihan law with the indictments of the residents of Sitio San Roque. The law is largely seen as providing special spending powers to the government to allow it to buy supplies and equipment fast, hopefully faster than the virus spreads. We talked to constitutional law professor Dan Gatmaitan about this law. For him, there are sufficient laws to provide Duterte special procurement powers. The added value of the law for him is the most controversial provision. Section 4H that allows Duterte to direct the operation of private hospitals and public transport. We need Congress to enact a law to give the president that power. Section 4H is a watered-down takeover power that actually started out as including all private business. But even that would have been constitutional, according to Professor Getmaitan. Section 17, Article 7 of the Constitution says that in times of national emergency, the state can temporarily take over any privately owned public utility or business affected with public interest. They could have stood by their guns, you know, and uh, because remember the, the earlier drafts of the, the takeover clause really riled up the public because it was so broad. They could have just said well, the Constitution authorizes it, you know, but they, they backed down and they limited the coverage of that the takeover. The provisions that cause concern are the clauses that were inserted away from the public eye. It's Section 6 are the penal provisions, under which spreading of false information is punishable by up to two months in jail or up to one million pesos in fines, or even both. The problem with this clause is that there are no laws that define false information. The law, in fact, has identified a, a crime but has not defined it. It's a broad provision and it can be used as a kind of a provision that can be uh, abused because it's so broad. The upside, says the professor, is that the provision qualifies what the crime is. It's false information that causes chaos, panic, anarchy, fear, or confusion. But it still leaves much to the discretion of the government investigator. Right now, more than a dozen people are summoned to the National Bureau of Investigation to explain why they should not be punished over their social media posts. One of them posted about alleged misuse of government funds. That person reaches out to human rights lawyer Shell Jokno for help. Jokno, the chairman of the Free Legal Assistance Group, volunteers his legal service. He calls the summonses inhumane. It's a crackdown on dissent. We have what we call the difference between derogable and non-derogable rights. So for example, for the, the right to travel, the freedom of movement. When you have a public health emergency, it is very acceptable that that is limited. But when it comes, let's say, to freedom of expression, especially online, since we're all at home, as long as you remain within legitimate criticism, there should be no penalties, no, no kind of harassment put on you by the government. And for that, he earns the wrath of President Duterte. Seething, the president uses a one-hour live speech near midnight to rant, curse, and even take issue with the shape of the lawyer's teeth. Sama ko si Jokno, sa baba ko, ako sa taas, 
Sabay tayo magbigte. Letse ka. Tangin na galit ako sa iyo. Ulol ka. The Constitution guarantees that every Filipino has the right to free speech. In jurisprudence, government may regulate free speech if there is a compelling state interest. And one of the tests to determine compelling state interest is if there is a clear and present danger to the public. These, however, are legal and factual questions answered in a trial. But to a poor man struggling to put food on the table, the benefit of a trial is not at all comforting. He would still be arrested, be out of work for many days. He would still have to pay bail and endure the arduous judicial process that will cost him so much more money, so much more time than he could ever spare. Attorney Teb pitches a cost-benefit approach. He argues, if every offender is arrested, if every offender is charged, the dockets of prosecutors in the courts will also continue to clog. He appeals to the Supreme Court, the Department of Justice, and the Department of the Interior and Local Government to assert their power as the government's justice system becomes congested and get Malacanang to agree to minimize arrests. The justice sector must realize that they have, you know, they have a very important role to play here because at the end of the day, after this virus is gone, right? We have to pick ourselves up. That's where the justice sector now comes in. No? Ilang libong kaso yung madadagdag sa korte natin na kailangan harapin ng mga prosecutor natin. No? Ilan yun? So you already are overworking an over-congested court system. Throughout the one-hour rant of President Duterte on April 3, one phrase sticks out to me. I'm sure in the coming days, there will be arrests made and a lot of complaints. It seems that amid all the confusion, one thing is very clear. Our president believes in a police solution to a health crisis. But when the enemy is invisible and the threat of the virus is actual, imminent, and real, can we expect policemen to be cautious with their guns? The strongest thing that we can hold on are the words of their officials, of their top officials. You have National Capital Region Police Office Chief Major General Debod Sinas saying that cops, while they will be strict with implementation of the law, especially under quarantine, they should still respect human rights. You have the words of Philippine National Police Chief Archie Gamboa saying that even if the law is here, even if you have to enforce checkpoints, you have to enforce the quarantine, you should respect human rights. But then, it's not comforting for me when I heard that the president ordering the cops to actually shoot people who they deem as nanlaban, as people who fight back. These are the words that we have. These are the words that the police have in their minds. I'd leave it up to the people listening if we should trust the police or not. I wish that Rambo and I could leave you with a more reassuring thought. I don't think we can, but we will keep this conversation going. I am Lian Wan. Follow us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, or Rappler social media accounts for more podcasts. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.